St. Luke chapter 5, verse 11. Have you ever wondered about some of the big decisions you've made in my life? Like, sometimes I kind of reflect back and think on the big decision we made, uh, me and Sister Tanya made, to live in the United States. Like, that was a huge decision, like a life-changing decision. The fact that she came to England was a life-changing decision for her, too, and leaving all that she knew and kind of coming to England. And I think about the series of events that were necessary to kind of make a big decision like that. Like, you think about the big decisions, the big moments, maybe it was moving from Delaware. Maybe it was moving from England from you. Maybe it was deciding to go to college in Toledo. That was a big, that was a kind of momentum-building decision. These are kind of things we've done where we've kind of moved away from the thing that we've been familiar with. But what I've realized about these big decisions is that these big decisions don't stand alone. Usually there's things that happened before then to make that big decision as important and pivotal and frankly as straightforward when you go to do it. Some big decisions you look at and if you just look at the decision moment, the event, you will think that that's all there was to it. In fact, before I even get you to read Luke, I wonder if you turn real quickly to another scripture that references this exact same scripture in Matthew 4.18. I know I'm getting to switch scriptures before I've read it, but bear with me. Matthew 4.18. Matthew 4, chapter 18. I'm going to read it real quick for you. Matthew 4.18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they're fishermen fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus walks up to them and says, follow me, and that's it. And they straightway left their, their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So back to Luke 5 and 11, we pick up that exact same part of the story of Jesus calling his disciples. So St. John, sorry, St. Luke 5 verse 11 reads this, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. (laughs) So I was looking at this verse in the week and I said, wow, That's a huge event. Like, (laughs) for somebody to come up to me and say, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Somebody I even know, right, and trust to come up to me and say, I'm going to make you fishers of men and for me to drop everything, my job, my house that I just told you about, I'm still paying off, my car, just drop everything and start following this man, Jesus, We've got to really sit on this for a second because this is a huge moment. And the people that Jesus were calling were very specific and deliberately selected to be a part of his ministry. And he went up to these men, these fishermen, these men whose their only background, their only professional background we are made aware of in scripture is that they could fish. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I'm recruiting for jobs at work, I want to see relevant job experience for the thing I'm calling you to do. Like, I don't need to have people who have zero experience for the thing I'm calling them to do. 
I'm waiting to see what kind of experience they had, but Jesus wasn't interested in their particular experience. In fact, he was looking for them in their current condition because he knew he could make something of them. <laughs> and so when we come to these big events and these big moments, it's oftentimes we don't necessarily shouldn't just look at the moment. So if we were to look at when I got on the plane and decided to come to America, and if that were the only moment you looked at, you would probably miss all the things that happened before then to make going on that, going on that plane and coming to America the right decision for me. Right? Before then, I would have probably had feelings about whatever we were doing at that moment. From those feelings, I would have developed ideas. And from those ideas, I'd develop a plan. Right? And then, the event. But the way we were introduced in Matthew was that Jesus just walked up to these cats and they just took off. And that's true, but there's more to the story we find out in Luke. And I've kind of tipped you to the end of the story here, much like, um, much like some of these storytelling films do, where they tell you who the murderer is at the end. At the start of the film, they tell you who the murderer is and at the end, but they're figuring that the whole story is so important <laughs> that if I tell you the end part at the beginning, the story is sufficient to kind of keep you entertained. And I'm telling you that they left everything they had and the reason why is just as important as them leaving. Right? So when we look at this scripture, I want you to say, yes, they left everything, but there is a why behind them leaving. Right? So what we're going to do now is go back to the start of St. Luke. I'm going to read that verse one more time. St. Luke 5 verse 11. Then we're going to go to the start of Luke. St. Luke 5 11 reads, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook everything. They gave up everything and followed him. That's how the story kind of ends, actually slash begins. Right? Is them giving up everything and following Jesus. Now let's go back to the start of St. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. Lake Genesaret is the same as the Sea of Galilee. It's the same place. It's just a different name for the same location. And there are places in Galilee. This, Galilee is the place where Jesus started his ministry. If you want to know where Jesus started his public ministry, it was in Galilee. And in fact, in Galilee, what Jesus had been doing prior to this moment, he, we heard that he goes into the, the desert. We know that part of the story. He goes into the desert. But then after immediately coming from the desert and after the temptations, we see that Jesus actually takes this opportunity to go to the synagogues and start to preach. In fact, one of the first things that happens is that Jesus starts reading. He says, he goes into this passage from, from Isaiah. He says, the Lord hath anointed me to preach. Yeah, remember that scripture? He says that the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Somebody find that for me. The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to the brokenhearted. This is the first in the synagogue. This is where Jesus kind of publicly comes out. Let me hear that scripture. Ministers found it, I think, for me. Yes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yes. And has anointed me to preach good tidings yes. unto the meek. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, <laughs> to proclaim liberty to the captive, 
and the opening of prisons to them that are bound. Gospel to the poor. This is the whole thing of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He establishes it day one. And so he's preaching around Galilee and he's getting a much of about a name about himself. What actually we find, I'm gonna make you reset again, in chapter four of St. Luke, in chapter four, we have to go back a little bit further, in chapter four of St. Luke, we find out that Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. <laughs> that same Simon, remember Simon is Peter, Peter gets, Simon gets renamed to Peter later by Jesus after the revelation he gets from, from, from the Holy Spirit. But just prior to chapter 5, Peter has a kind of parallel conversation with Jesus. Jesus finds out after he's preaching in the synagogue that Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. With a, the scripture describes it as a great fever. As a great fever. And he comes in. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus comes into her house from the synagogue he was preaching in, from that temple he was preaching in, and lays his hands on Peter's mother-in-law, and the scripture says immediately, she goes from having this incredible fever, this great fever, to being so well that she is able to serve Jesus. <laughs> so, so this straightway question, isn't just straight way. There's a few things that happened in the area that Peter is likely to have known about Jesus. And I'm telling you this because I think it's important for us to realize that when people have an encounter with Jesus, they don't know exactly who he is. And they don't necessarily move on day, the moment that they know his message. Sometimes it takes a moment for it to sink in what is happening with me and with this man, Jesus. Sometimes I think we assume that we've got such a great word <laughs> that they're just going to be converted on the spot and get it. <laughs> when sometimes it takes a few times to understand the relationship we're supposed to have with him. <laughs> so chapter 5 then, I want you to sit that moment then in chapter 5. That's where chapter 5 begins. Peter kind of knows who this guy is because his mother-in-law's well now. And according to the way it looks, that fever was going to take her out. <laughs> so let me begin by reading say, chapter 5 verse 1. Let me start there now. And it came to pass that as the people pressed him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, the Sea of Galilee, okay? And two ships standing by the lake, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. I was fascinated by this. The fact that he even pointed out two ships, because you can't get on two ships, you can only get on one, right? There was probably much more than two ships because this is, this is the Sea of Galilee. It's a fishing town where, where Peter's from is a fishing town. You know there's going to be tons of ships and tons of boats, right? So he's got lots of ships and lots of boats to choose from. And the scripture specifically tells us he has two boats to choose from. One of those boats is owned by Peter. <laughs> the same Peter who sometime before he went straight from the synagogue Right, look, to be clear, Peter's mother-in-law didn't go foot looking for Jesus. 
The scripture tells us that he walks out of the synagogue, walks straight to Sir Peter's mother's house and heals her in the house. Meaning he knew exactly who he was going to go to and what he was going to do when he met Peter's mom. <laughs> Meaning also that when he sees the two ships and he sees frankly all the other ships, he knows exactly who owns them. <laughs> Glory to God. He knows exactly who he's speaking to. I don't know how you came to this gospel. I don't know if you came because your parents were here. But I need to tell you this so that you get it in your spirit. He wasn't just coming for them. Glory to God. He wasn't just coming for them. He wasn't just interested in healing and bringing salvation to their house. He was interested in you too. He saw you when he was saving your mother. He saw you when he was saving your mother. Glory to God. You, you thinking that it was just an accident that he happened to be in the same house healing that woman? Oh, glory to God. He saw you just because he was making waves around you. I need you to understand he was making moves toward you. So, 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 so now Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee and he's sitting there with two boats to choose from. And the scripture tells us in verse 3, and he entered into one of the ships, which was whose? Which was Simon's. Peter's ship. He has a choice of two ships. He has a choice to start his ministry anywhere he wants. He could go to any place he liked, but he goes to this town, goes to that man's mother, goes to this location, and go, picks two ships, then picks the one that Simon owns. None of this is by chance. None of this is left to fate. All this is deliberate act of the Holy Spirit. Verse three, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. I'm gonna come back to that little part in a second. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Random dude walks up to you. <laughs> now what we find out in a moment is that Peter's been, been, been fishing all night. He has been, like, he worked the night shift. That's the best time to get the fish. He just finished working the night shift, he used to work nights, and I remember you needed a few hours in the morning and maybe a couple more in the evening, and then you were set, right? But he comes up to Peter and he says, hey, Simon, I need you to take your ship, I need to take your boat, and I need you to take it out a little, not a lot. I'm not asking you to go far right now. I'm seeing if you're willing to go out just a little. <laughs> look, look, sometimes I think we also assume about folks coming to Christ that they'll get it all in one point. And I think sometimes we also assume they're willing to do everything on day one. And they're not. They're just willing to do a little. They're just willing to do something. They're just willing to get here on Sunday. They're just willing to listen in on a Sunday. 
They just want to sing some good songs with you on a Sunday. I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, you don't have to be the one who, who does backflips in the Holy Spirit on day one. I just need you to do a little. Like, I just need you to move your ship from here to here. Give me, let me use your boat. Come sing with us just for a, a minute or two on a Sunday afternoon. I don't need you to just preach. I don't need you to play the drums. I don't need you to lead with song. I just need you a little. So he says to Peter, he says, let, let me use your boat just a little bit. And Peter happily says, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, Peter's resources all of a sudden have just become the Christ's resource. Whatever he could use to preach, Peter's vessel becomes the first opportunity. Like sometimes you just need your house for some prayer. <laughs> sometimes I just need your time. Maybe I do need your resource, <laughs> but be open to it. And they're not quite at this ready moment, ready to go any further than just, okay, I'll lend you my boat for five minutes. I kind of know you. I've heard you preaching around. I know what you did for my mother-in-law. Go ahead, take the boat, right? Let's keep going. Verse four, it's amazing to me that we go from verse three to verse four so fast. Like he's preaching a whole message, but we never know what it is because the point here isn't what Jesus was preaching. It was, the, it was what he was able to do while he was preaching. Let's go to verse four. Now when he had left speaking, meaning we don't get the message, it just gets told to us that he was speaking and he stopped speaking, he said unto Simon, what does he say to Simon that he didn't say to him a moment ago? He says, launch out into the what? Not a little now. We're no longer interested in the little now. You've just heard me speak to all these people. And now you're hearing me speak. He says, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. We've upgraded. Our relationships moved from, I need you to go to a little. Now I realize you're eating. Now I've got my hook in you. Now it's time to go deep. Relationships building. I told you sometimes we look at the very end of the story and we think we understand why he followed Jesus. But he didn't just start there. He started here, just a little. I need you to listen to me just for a little bit. I need your boat just for a second. Give me a little bit. Now when he starts to realize Peter actually is listening to this, this is the same guy who kind of owes me a little something because I helped his mother out. Here, listen to me now. I need you to go deep. You know what, sometimes we like our deep words, but sometimes some people just need to know, hey, I love you. And it's so shallow, it's not even, not even that deep. It's just a text, it's just a hug. It's just loving on you. You want a deep word and all they needed was a little bit of love. <laughs> but you were so eager to get them into the deep and they weren't ready for that yet. <laughs> just love them. Just hug them. Show them some love. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let me see what the scripture says here. Launch out into the deep and let your nets out for a draft. Now we're starting to say a little bit of resistance. 
Peter was okay, he didn't, he didn't hear any resistance in the first request, but the deep requires a little bit more. It's okay if it needs a little bit more, even beyond what you're willing or able to give. But at some point you get to the deep. <laughs> Verse five, and Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, all the entire night, we've been working on this. I can only imagine if I came to minister's house a few years back and says, hey, can you help me with my car? It's six o'clock and I literally just got off. Why don't you come back in a few hours when I've had two hours to myself? And then we could talk about pushing back. In fact, better yet, why when I, when I get the night shift and I'm up and open, let's go do what you want to do. So Peter's resistant. He says, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Literally, we've got nothing to show for it. This gotta be the worst kind of night for a fisherman who has used all his resources, all his strength, all his labor, and has nothing to trade at the end of the day. We've caught Peter on one of his worst days. As a professional fisherman, we've caught him on his worst day. <laughs> As a, somebody who's making his living fishing, we've caught him on his worst, literally his worst day. And Jesus asking him on his worst day to not just go a little bit, but to now go deep. On your worst day, Jesus and still get through to you. On their worst day, Jesus is still saying, I can get through to you. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. <sighs> let me go back for a second to verse 2 and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. This is what we find Peter doing. <laughs> He's washing his nets, preparing them for next night, right? He's working, preparing his nets for the next night. And Jesus walks up to him and says, I need you to, to stop the work. I know you've been working all night and I know you failed all night now. <laughs> And I need you to stop washing the nets because we need to use them that you're supposed to use tomorrow night, right now. <laughs> so he's asking him to not only reinvest in time and go back out, but to take the work he's doing and stop. <laughs> the things Peter thought he was fixing wasn't even going to be helpful to him, but he doesn't realize it. Peter's working hard on fixing his nets. <laughs> He's literally fixing his nets and the Lord is saying, I need you to stop trying to fix your own problems right now. I got something for you. But in order to get access to it, we're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to go. I know you think you're about to fix something. I know you're prepping. I know you're a professional. I know this is what you're good at. But I need you to stop it because I need you to go deep with me. Verse six, and when they had this, had, had, um, let me go back over verse five. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, listen to what he says. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. The thing I've just been working on, the thing I've been trying to fix, 
I'm going to give it up at your word. Like, this is my job, this is my profession. People are waiting on me to make some money, get some things together, but at your word, I'm going to do this. He knows enough about Jesus to know that this can't be for nothing. He's seen him heal his sick already. He's seen him cast out spirits. He's even seen his own mother-in-law raised and he's saying, this can't be for nothing. Let me give up what I've got. Yes, I've been training on this boat and yes, this is my resource. Yes, this is my livelihood. Yes, this is my job, but I'm ready to take a little bit further step and I'm gonna stop and go to the deep with this man. Hallelujah, glory, let me keep going. Verse six, and when they had this, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. So wait a minute. So just to be clear, night fishing is the thing to do in the Sea of Galilee. That's when the fish are most active. It's when we're supposed to go. They're not around in the daytime. They go to the deep. You can't get the fish in the day. So the idea that this moment that we would go and get anything helpful was nonsensical to a fisherman. That was the very opposite of good sense. But because he heard the word of Jesus, because he had gained this kind of relationship with the word of God, he said, I'm going to release what is good sense to me because I think there is a word in you that is realer than the experiences I've had. He said, my experience is nothing compared to your word. <laughs> my professional common sense makes no difference when compared to your word. So he goes out there and they catch so much fish that the nets he was making couldn't even hold the fish. <laughs> Glory to God. Just because, not because of what he was doing in the shallow part, not when he went out a little bit, when he went out into the deep. If they want a good relationship with Jesus, a transformative relationship with Jesus, if you want to have a transformative relationship with Jesus, at some point you're going to have to go out into the deep. You're going to have to take him at his word. You're going to have to trust him more than you trust your job. You're going to have to trust him more than you trust your money. You're going to have to trust him more than you trust your man and your woman. You're going to have to trust him more than you trust your family. You're going to have to take him at his word. <laughs> we can all kind of sing songs and I invite you to take that little step. But at some point you have to go deep. The scripture says that the nets break. So the thing that he was mending and fixing and cleaning got broken within seconds of doing this. You know what it reminds me of? <laughs> that, that kind of scene in, the ne in Nemo <laughs> when they got all the fish and they're all swimming into the net and you can barely, the, the man's wondering why he can't take so many fish in there all in doing one same thing. All the fish of the deep must have came up out of sleep entered into this man's nets and said, I don't know what we're doing, but we're doing it here because the king of glory, somebody's word is on the line. So I've got to get out of the deep and into that net. 
the fish must have said at his word. <laughs> it got so much, verse, verse 7, they got so much fish that they had to call for another ship. They beckoned unto their partners, two ships, remember the two ships, they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. The scripture says, and they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. <laughs> we have at this moment so much fish that we don't have the resources to hold them. We have two boats and we can't fill them. We can't move these fish. So at this point, you realize that Simon Peter, let me just go first to verse eight. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees. Literally, he falls down so that he's face to face with the knees of Jesus because he's realizing something. His relationship went for, you helped somebody I know, to you, I, you just lent my boat, to I've just seen something that I know is not absolutely, is absolutely impossible for a fisherman to see. Like, I get it now. Like, you could be out here. He, what Peter's just realized is that Jesus could have, if Jesus wanted to be the best fisherman, that's what he could have been. But there's something more important than the fish he just captured. Like they have had their biggest haul. <laughs> this is like striking gold and walking away. No one does that. He realizes that there's something bigger at stake. There is something bigger going on than the fish we just captured. <laughs> but it takes you going from just a little bit first to the deep second and then I'm going to follow you no matter what. Pe don't expect people on day one to follow him and give up everything. That's not reasonable. <laughs> they needed a bit more information. As soon as Peter saw this miracle, he was worshipping Jesus. <laughs> when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of fishes which had taken, which they had taken. And so also was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, don't be afraid. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is right where we pick up with verse 11 now. This is right where Matthew 4 was talking about. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And we thought that avenged, they just walked off. No. They saw a miracle. They saw Jesus take them from a little to the deep. Man, Lord, look, if you could have done this this whole time, that means the point is never the fish. <laughs> the point was never the fish. If you could have done this, the fact is Jesus could have been in the shallow part and got them this fish. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? We were just getting used to hearing your voice and listening and following. And Peter got understood that, man, if I listen to this man, I can do almost anything. And I need to encourage you today. You may be just getting to know Jesus for real, for real. But there's a deeper step you can take. You can take it to a next level with Christ. In direct relationship with him. Where he's going to not just have you follow him, but he's going to make you a maker of the thing that he's here to do. He is here collecting men. And he's going to make you a fisher of men too. I need you to understand something about this. Peter realizes in this moment his profession was never about fish. It was about collecting something, but it was never about fish. With the right authority, he could be a fisher of fish, but he could be also be a fisher of men. The Lord has given us an authority to go deeper. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just need you to hear his voice, not mine, his voice, and we can go deeper. May the Lord add a blessing to this word in the name of the Lord Jesus.